Hi, I'm Barry Cuba, and you're listening to Facets. I am a Catholic priest with a particular interest in how human beings can flourish mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. My passion in life is to help people live with less anxiety and to experience a greater sense of being loved and of purpose. Today's episode explores what happens when we get stuck, when we get exhausted. How do we move forward? What does science say about the qualities of those who are able to endure trials and setbacks? And can forgiveness play a role to lighten our load during this journey? So I'm in Austin, Texas right now, and we're lucky, or at least I'm lucky, to have the type of day that I really enjoy. It's nice and cool, probably not quite 60 degrees, cloudy outside. It reminds me of when I used to travel to Alaska. I try to go to Alaska about once a year and uh, twice if I get lucky. And there's one of my favorite trails, actually two trails, that are both named Perseverance. So there's a Perseverance Trail that leads from downtown Juneau to this really spectacular canyon. And then there's one in Ketchikan called Perseverance Lake Trail. It's about a six-mile out and back and uh, ends, of course, with this gigantic lake. And I really, really enjoy that trail. And it got me thinking about that word, perseverance, especially during these times. Uh, other words for perseverance are grit or resilience. And all of these terms are nuanced. They have their own definitions, but they are interconnected. There's a author, Dr. Angela Duckworth, who wrote a book, Grit. You've probably seen it around. And according to her, grit is the combination of passion and perseverance. I'll actually let her explain it. Grit is passion and perseverance for very long-term goals. Grit is having stamina. Grit is sticking with your future, day in, day out, not just for the week, not just for the month, but for years, and working really hard to make that future a reality. Grit is living life like it's a marathon, not a sprint. And through years of research, Dr. Duckworth found grit to be a stronger predictor of high achievement than intelligence, talent, and other personality traits. What I do know is that talent doesn't make you gritty. Our data show very clearly that there are many talented individuals who simply do not follow through on their commitments. In fact, in our data, grit is usually unrelated or even inversely related to measures of talent. This is actually really good news for us because it means that we're not strictly limited by whatever cards were dealt. We can actually learn to play the game better. We can train ourselves to shift our thoughts and our perspective on life, and in so doing, focus on things that we can control and make a difference about. It's like that classic serenity prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. I love that word courage. It means strength of heart. And when we know what we can focus on, and when we're able to let go of those things that are beyond us and beyond our power, we achieve that word serenity. We achieve the certain peace which allows us to continue to move forward despite obstacles that are in our way.
So what are some key ingredients to perseverance? What are some ways in which we can allow ourselves to be more successful in persisting and doing something despite difficulty or delay, to have more tenacity, to have more determination, more resolve? Well, the first is to see if we have a great passion for something, to see if we have a task or a goal that we're so passionate about that we're willing to stay loyal to it. The second component is a tolerance for the mundane. We have to have such a passion for our goal that we're willing to uh, go through some monotony in order to get through it. The most dazzling human achievements, Dr. Duckworth says, are in fact the aggregate of countless individual elements, each of which, in a sense, are ordinary. So patience, developing patience, is a key component to persevering. Another component is a connection to like-minded communities. It helps to be around other people who strive to achieve success and their own personal growth. If you want to be more persevering, find a culture of people who strive to persevere. And the last component is a willingness to face failure. And I'm actually going to do a later episode on this because I think the willingness to face failure is something I've struggled with in my own life and I'm still working on, and there are a lot of resources out there. So you may be thinking, okay, I understand grit. I understand what it means to persevere. But what happens when I face that failure? What happens when things get tough? Well, that's when we lean on the resilience that we've developed from tough events that we've faced in the past. The American Psychological Association defines resilience as the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress. You often hear resilience called that ability, that elasticity, to bounce back from difficult experiences, and it also often involves profound personal growth. I like to think of resilience as what we lean on when it's tough to persevere, to keep going, and our resilience is strengthened when we're stretched. We become tougher by doing tough things. One of the things that we may face is not necessarily failure, but criticism. Now, as most of you who are listening to this know about me, I'm a people pleaser. I like to make people happy. It crushes me whenever I disappoint them. So there was a period in my own life, and in fact, I think it's going to be a struggle throughout my whole life, where criticism from others really hampered me. As you know, I'm a Catholic priest, so I get up and give homilies. And the more vulnerable you are when you do that, the more you open yourself up to criticism from other people. And people nowadays tend to be more critical, it seems like, than in the past. I don't know that for sure, but I see it now in social media. There's a lot of anonymity there where people can feel like that they can say whatever's on their mind, and they almost lose sight of the fact that it's another human being at the end of the screen. But even in person, people are becoming more and more critical. And I don't know if that's an increased dissatisfaction in themselves or in their lives that they want to project onto other people. But what I do know is that you can't put yourself out there without criticism. The more that you put yourself out there, the more that you expose yourself, the more that I share my heart with other people, the more chance there is that that's going to get cut. You know, that it's going to be like a scalpel. 
but it's going to hurt. But what's the alternative? Deny the world the gift of yourself? We shouldn't let fear keep us from speaking up. I'd like to share with you a quote that I often refer back to again and again when I face criticism, when I put myself out there, and it comes from Theodore Roosevelt's Citizenship in a Republic speech. I'm sure many of you have heard this quote before. It's often called the man in the arena. If you haven't heard it before, I'm glad that I get to share it with you. And this is what he says. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Just a few tips on perseverance before I move on to another topic. The first would be to make sure your goals are worthy of your perseverance. Do they align with your beliefs and your values? Sometimes we can spend so much energy on tasks that perhaps aren't really what we are meant to be doing. That's where prayer and meditation is so helpful because we can check in to see in the quiet of our hearts in the presence of God to see if our goals are worthy of our perseverance. We can also get so caught up in the future and in thinking too far ahead that we forget to just take a step right now, to do something to make some small progress right now. It takes a while to find a good pace so that we don't burn out, slow and steady often wins the race. Remember, again, that there's only so much you can control. Lean on God. Ask Him for strength as you continue moving forward, and you'll find that your faith in Him will grow, and also your faith in yourself. One aspect that I think is missing in a lot of the literature around perseverance, and I may have just missed it, is how closely tied it is with forgiveness. They're like cousins in the same family. They each help the other out. When you're trying to move forward, it's tough to do so when you have a heavy weight on your shoulder, especially one that doesn't need to be there, that's self-imposed. Now, forgiveness is not forgetting. I think that's so important to emphasize. We will always remember our experiences, and sometimes it's actually good to do so. We can forgive someone and decide never to talk to them or be near them again because it's not good for our safety, our health, or our sanity. What forgiveness is, is the decision to say, I am not going to let this experience from my past dictate my future and continue to take up so much real estate in my mind. One way that forgiveness helps us to persevere is that it allows us to travel lighter, mentally, spiritually, even physically. 
We can fill our mind with so many resentments and injuries, both those that are real and those that are perceived, that sometimes it can feel like we're walking through life in quicksand. There's an old story of two priests who were traveling together, a senior priest and a junior priest, and they come to this river with a strong current where a young woman was waiting, and she didn't want to cross alone. She felt scared that the river might sweep her under, so she asked the priests if they would help her across the river. And without a word, and in spite of the promise of celibacy that he'd made, the older priest simply picks her up in his arms, he crosses the river, and he sets her down on the other side. So the younger priest sees all this, he joins them across the river, he continues walking with the older priest, and you can tell that something is bothering him, but he doesn't say anything. An hour passes, and they keep traveling on, and then two hours, and then three. And finally, the now agitated younger priest, he can't stand it any longer, and he says, I just think that that was so inappropriate. You know, as priests, we have this image that we need to uphold, and he keeps going, and he keeps going. And the older priest finally stops him and replies, Brother, I set her down hours ago by the side of the river. Why are you still carrying her? And the story is a reminder to not dwell on the past in a way that interferes with living in the present moment. You know, a little like this younger priest, I had this weird feeling in the past that if I stopped thinking about something unjust that someone said or did to me, I'd be letting them off the hook somehow. In my mind, it was like I had to remember and hold on to and nurse these resentments and memories so that I guess, I don't know, that the universe would remember that they existed. It didn't make sense, and it doesn't make sense. Sticking with the image of a river for a little bit, if I'm swimming in a river, it's exhausting to swim against the current, but that's what a lot of us do in our minds. We want to move forward, but we're swimming against all of these negative thoughts, memories, and emotions. And it takes practice to find the current, to be with it, and to let these thoughts just be, to come, to go, to pass on their own. Forgiveness is one of the most powerful ways we can move forward. If you're struggling in this area, I'd like you to consider the words of this poem by Dessa called Mercy. To forgive is to summon your character, red-eyed and sober, and command it to behave against the current of your instinct, to reach up and take down your own flag. It is to make a snow angel out of sawdust beneath the bench where they are shaving down your pride. Again, I'm Barry Cuba, and I wish that you will be blessed now and always on your journey forward.